Cindy's Choice is powered by integrity-centric businesses found at cindyschoice.com. It's Cindy's Choice to be brave and make a difference. Cindy here. And thank you. Thank you so much for being here as I don't know what number installment we're on, but I appreciate you being here to hear more of the destitute destiny story and how cool is it to reach your destiny. That's where I'm at right now. I'm stepping in to this incredible destiny with this amazing convergence that's happening with other destinies lining up with my destiny, and it's pretty amazing. So stay tuned. It's it's pretty incredible how it all comes about. But I had left off before. I think I was at where um, I was with a, you know, try to go to school. Listen, I was in high school. I kept trying. I wanted to go to school. I, you know, I wanted to do things right. And there were lots of families that wanted to help and support me. And my mother just absolutely would not allow it. So this you know, last family that I tried to stay with for a while, and again, the school finds out. <laughs> the school finds out that I'm not living with my legal guardian or married. And it's craziness, but I was not allowed to go to school. So I think about the fourth time they told me I couldn't go to school, I think I finally kind of gave in and thought, okay, I'm not going to be able to go to school. And I think I'd actually, you know, made it through the 11th grade at, at that point, uh, which was, you know, I was in the, the, I think it was in the ninth grade, or maybe the beginning of my sophomore year, I can't remember exactly when, uh, you know, when I went out on my own, I was uh, 15. So then I end up, um, I, I got a roommate, and we were in back then, <laughs> We had singles apartments in the DFW area. So if you're in Irving, Texas, it's, you know, not too far from DFW airport. And um, there were lots of singles apartments. I don't think they allow that now, which I think that's a good idea. I think like later when I lived in apartments with my children, I'd rather it be designated for families or singles, you know, not, let's not mix that up. But these singles apartments, it was uh, party central in um, Dallas, Texas in uh, these singles apartments. And I got a roommate and had a, you know, got to live in a decent area. And, um, you know, I was I was working and just accepting that that's what I was going to need to do. But at the same time, and I had, you know, I had so many jobs. And I just can't remember the order and how all that fell about. But I, I had quite a few jobs. And at this point, though I was I had a nine to five and I'd went in you know I'd I'd had typing in school and so forth like that and um, someone had helped me like with some clothing choices where I could get some professional clothing and I'd gotten an administrative job in Dallas Texas where you know a nine to five and you know something where you know I could work into something and um and of course you know it paid you know not, not much, probably uh, above minim, minimum wage at the time. And I was working a, a, like a regular job and had a roommate and paying the rent and, you know, making my way. And at this, at this point, I still trying to remember, I still didn't have a car. So I depended on people <laughs> to get me around or taxi cabs and so forth like that. Well, so um, on Friday nights, though, now I'm about to date myself big time. This was the urban cowboy era. Oh, my gosh, how exciting was that? And 
me and my girlfriends on Friday nights, we'd go to the Cotton Eye Joe. And uh, that was a regular Friday routine. Me and the girls, we'd go two-stepping and bull riding and all that kind of stuff on Friday nights. And it was pretty harmless. It's like, um, I didn't really, you know, if I did drink, I think I might get like a slow gin fizz or something like that. But, um, you know, it was just a fun night out. Well, one evening, I'm getting dressed to, you know, meet up with the girls and go to the Cotton Eye Joe. And the phone rings and I answer the phone. And... It's uh, the manager of the Cotton Eye Joe. So he's like, Cindy, are you girls coming up here tonight? And I'm like, well, you know it. Yeah, we'll be there. And he said, well, you want to make a little money while you're here? And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> it depends on what you've got in mind. And he said, oh, no, 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 come on. He goes, I've, my, one of my waitresses isn't showing up. He said, you know, he goes, I know you'd waitress before. Now, I'd only, you know, I'd been a food waitress, you know, and very experienced in that. I'd never um, cocktail waitress before. But he said, if you come up and carry a tray around upstairs, it's just pool tables. They mainly drink beer up there. It's real easy. He goes, you'll make, you know, some good money and it'll help me out a lot. And I was like, sure, I'll do that. So, um, you know, we got there and I got, I'm going to go upstairs. <laughs> and I ran up, literally carried a tray around for a while you know, delivered some beers, had some fun. As things slowed down, he said, oh, that's good. You know, there's weren't many people left and they could just go to the bar. Um, that's enough, you know, go hang with your friends. And I'd ended up in like a couple hours time, literally I'd made like $150. Now keep in mind at that time, I probably on my nine to five job, my administrative position, I think I just made, you know, just over $200 a week. And I just carried a tray around uh, delivering beers and having fun at a place I'd have been hanging out anyway and made $150. Well, of course, that waitress, you know, didn't show up anymore. And he like, you know, Cindy, you just need to take that shift. And, you know, how are you going to turn that down? So they were only open four nights a week. Uh, I believe it was like Thursday through Saturday. And so I picked up the Thursday through Saturday and thought, well, this will be great. I can work the nine to five. I can work here in the evenings and, and really do well, you know, and get something going for myself. But of course, you know, it, it, a few weeks into that, I'm starting to drag a little bit at the daytime job, maybe running late a little bit at the daytime job. And, you know, my boss inquired, hey, what's up with you? So I told him, I said, well, I'm working a second job, da, 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 da. And he's like, well, he said he would give me a $100 a month raise to quit the evening job. So, yeah, I could make more money working the daytime job. Well, I said I'd do that. And I think it's just because I was such a people pleaser at this point because I was groomed by this sociopath, this narcissist, you know, environment that it just, I didn't know how to say no. And um, I, you know, I said, yes, I would, but I didn't, how was I going to quit? You know, that $100 raise worth, you know, I could make $150 in one night. And by this point, um, yeah, I was such a good waitress. <laughs> I mean, my work ethic was, you know, I'd been working like since I was 13, my work ethic was, you know, off the charts. I was already advancing. They didn't want me de delivering beers. Um, I could sell. So it didn't take me no time before I had the big station around the dance floor well, that's, you know, over $200, $300 a night I could make. And um, so I ended up getting fired from the daytime job. <laughs> and uh, so now I'm a cocktail waitress. 
And uh, I was like 19 years old at this point. And again, before that, not a drinker, even in high school, all that freedom, having my own apartment, not a drinker. I remember getting teased once we were cruising and you know, everybody's drinking beers. And you know how you just kind of go along and um, I'd taken the beer and opened it and I'd taken a couple of sips and then just kept holding it. And at some point I got tired of holding it. And, you know, it's, at some point everybody was throwing out the empties and I threw my practically full beer out. And one of the girls called me out. on it. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really drink or, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, wasn't interested in, in doing that. And uh, so, uh, so well, here I am working at a major nightclub and this was the nightclub era. I mean, it would be packed out and you know, it wasn't long before, you know, that lifestyle kind of uh, takes over. I mean, I'm in now and it was so much fun at first and it was like, well, you know, we had our family, uh, you, the, all of us that worked together, we all worked nights. So we all, we all did things together during the day and it was really, really a great time while I was there because we really were kind of uh, of a family and, and I've been able to connect with some really dear people you know dear friends that we had some friendships then and I, actually I want to come back to that but um you know I'd I was used to, I'd worked I had a great work that ethic and um I yeah I would top out at things really quickly and get bored so like I said I'd started at the pool tables and now I was the top waitress you know uh, selling more than anybody, making more than anybody. And I was getting bored. And back then, girls didn't bartend. It was very rare that you saw a girl behind the bar. And of course, not at a country bar. There was a, there was no girl waitress, girl bartenders. But, um, uh, you know, I was ready for something else. So I remember asking the manager, um, if, um, you know, if, if what would I need to do? How could I become a bartender I'll never forget (laughs) because he went on to explain to me how really hard those bartenders worked and you know that those bar backs I'm sorry those bar backs worked you know and they were earning their way to that bartender role and you know so I'm hearing so there's nowhere for me to go The, the bar back can move up to bartender and, you know, most like, usually it was a bartender that advanced to management. And I was like, huh. So, you know, I, I, I immediately remember thinking, you, I'm one of those people, don't tell me I can't <laughs> kind of thing. So I kind of went down the street and went to the competition. And I uh, went to the manager there and kind of fibbed a little. And I, uh, I actually said, okay, um, I you know, applied for a bartending role. And he did have one female bartender. And um, she was pretty hardcore, but she was a, uh, he had a, a female bartender. So there, there was a little hope here. And I went and told him that I, um, you know, I was a bartender at the place down the street. And I wanted to apply for a bartending position. And he hired me. And I'll never forget um, that the, the day that I started, I'm still, I, I, I'm still connected with a dear friend who was behind the bar at the time. I didn't know how to pour liquor and we free poured. I didn't know how to do that. And here I told the manager that I was a bartender 
And he filled liquor bottles with water for me, the other bartender. He filled the liquor bottles with water. And before we open, I'm squatting behind the bar learning how to pour. Because it's, you know, it's kind of important to know how to pour if you're a bartender. And, and, you know, they had me kind of in the fluff roll. Uh, It was a really, really long bar. And that one girl, she took care, like, she also served waitresses and the my, the guy on my left he served waitresses and then plus they would take care of customers but it's my role just to you know take care of the customers and so I'll, I'll never forget we were real busy and I poured liquor a lot of Jack and Coke <laughs> and handed out a lot of beers that evening and I could see the manager like kind of leaning in the doorway you know watching me a lot during that night and um, at the end of the night I was I was really nervous because he you know he's walking up to me and he said you know. He goes, I knew you weren't a bartender, (laughs) but he goes, you did really well. And he goes, I wanted to tell you that I gave you a shot because I, you know, you showed respect for me when you showed up in a dress for an interview. And so I gave you a shot and you did fine, you know, so I was able to keep the job and, you know, become a bartender and, um, you know, be, be able to advance. And that's quickly what happened because it wasn't long, you know, I was moving up to the much upscale clubs. This was your nightclub era in um, Dallas, Texas, and very upscale, um, high volume nightclubs. And it wasn't long uh, that I went there and only had to waitress briefly, kind of, you know, earn my way. And then I was bartending and then I was in management in no time. And that, you know, it was uh, in my shoot my mid-20s I was managing men double my age um these major major nightclubs and I was in management roles in um a very kind of high pressure (laughs) environment and getting exposed to a lot um I mean the parties were crazy uh I mean, you know, it was lots of celebrities. I mean, celebrities like I was just I was just watching the special on um, the Bee Gees. And um, I kind of teared up when they talked about Andy Gibb. You know, he lost his life at age 30. He uh, he hung out in, in our bar several. I get to talk and hang with him a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Robin Williams, uh, Gary Busey, um, oh, Robert Duvall. Uh, there's so many of these major you know, it's Dallas, Texas and high volume, like upscale nightclubs is valet parking and, you know, Ferraris and Porsches and all that kind of thing. And here I am in my, you know, early mid 20s. And I'm like a manager of these types of establishments. But even then, um, you know, and this is where, you know, things really started getting confusing for me. I had the life. I had the I had what everyone around me wanted at this point. Oh, I'd finally when I was working at Cotton Eye Joe's, I'd finally gotten my first car. A, a fellow uh, bartender helped me. And um, actually, no, my first car was a 1968 Tempest. I bought it for one of those buy here, pay here places. It was getting me in trouble quick. I couldn't pull up to a red light without somebody wanting to race me and I'd race them. So it was a good thing when the transmission started slipping <laughs> Because I know, you know, those buy here, pay here places are scary. And again, I was like 19. And I remember a girlfriend following me over to the car lot. 
And I just parked the car on there and left the keys in it and ran and jumped in her car and took off. <laughs> so I got out of that one. And then um, I, I really, I think like my, my boyfriend at the time, like uh, he helped me find a really um, smart, like, you know, good economy, like it was a 78 Dodge Colt, you know, a really good economy, good car. But then when I'd advanced now, I was you know, the high volume nightclubs, the high end of town, I was driving my Mustang convertible at this point, I was managing the high volume nightclubs. Um, I was, you know, popular, professional. Um, I mean, I was living the life. So it seemed invited to these like major parties with all these celebrities, I'll tell you, heaps of cocaine (laughs) on the coffee table. But I didn't do it. Um, You know, I did go through that kind of like the little like I partied too much as far as like drinking too much on my night off. But something, thank goodness, thank you, Jesus, that I, the few times I tried the cocaine, which was just prevalent in that environment. And in in the situation I was in, you know, people, they, you know, I was in an influencer. I, I could, people wanted to give me things and take care of me. And um, I knew, I knew that would get a hold of me. I go, I like that. And I'm staying away from that. Because it, it's, um, I guess it worked to my advantage that um, um, I was already so independent and, you know, didn't want anything kind of getting a hold on me like that. But it was a, you know, it was a crazy time for a young girl in her 20s that didn't have much guidance or kind of direction or understanding of where to go. And that's, uh, that's a probably, we'll, we'll talk about that a little more. That's probably um, a good place. Maybe, maybe I will kind of share a little bit more there because right now as I'm thinking and processing this is things I haven't thought about in so long and this was a really really um pivotal pivot am I saying that word right pivotal uh piv- pivotal pivotal piv- okay y'all know what I'm trying to say <laughs> but it th- was a, a key time that I, I think maybe I ought to um to, to uh, delve into a little more so we'll do that on the next installment of the Cindy story and, you know, you know what I'm going to leave you with? I'm going to leave you with love because I love you. And I want you to get out there and lead with love. Just lead with love and seek first to understand. All right? And go make good choices. Overcoming major life challenges that left Cindy homeless and alone on the city streets puts her in a unique position to make an impact. Contribute to the cause by utilizing the integrity-centric businesses found at cindyschoice.com. Thank you for being a part of our mission for change, because we can do so much more together.